Welcome to another episode of Whiskey and Mash. episode of Whiskey and Mash. I am Chris Pullman. And I am Gloria Ackerman. And this week we'll be talking about Season 11, Episode 5, Who Knew? And Season 11, Episode 6, Bombshells. Who knew? Well, we begin in the swamp. Um, it's 2.30 in the, or 3.30 in the morning. Hawkeye comes in, wakes up BJ, tells them about what a great night he had mm. with Millie Carpenter. Huh, bragging about what fun a Wednesday night could be. Mm-hmm. Um, we go on to the next day, find out that Millie Carpenter stepped on a landmine after mm-hmm. going for a walk in the middle of the night, and she died. Mm-hmm. Um, so the plot A was kind of about her funeral setups, people getting to know her, or did they know her? Mm-hmm. Plot B was Klinger talking to Winchester about this great new idea he has. Let's mm-hmm. meet at 2 in the morning and we'll talk about specifics. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about what his great idea is. Those mm-hmm. are the two, plot A and plot B. Yeah. Are there any more that go with that? Um, I think that's just it, right? Yeah, I, I looked up a few things just for historical accuracy. Uh, and we can talk about those when they come up. But okay. No, that's... Yeah. Those those are the two plots. Yeah. <laughs> I just felt so badly because Millie Carpenter was someone that's new to the camp mm-hmm. and people didn't really know her. So no. like um, they were going to do just a little like prayer service for her mm-hmm. because they couldn't get a hold of her family right away and just Yeah, her files were th- th- she's so new. Ones, yeah. Yeah, her files were still hung up. Uh, in i they hadn't been sent down yet. So they can't notify her family or anything, so they thought they would just do a little service for her at camp. Mm-hmm. It's not a regular thing, I don't think, that they do. Maybe it is, yeah. but I, whatever. I, I, in, yeah. this, in this case, they were going to do it for her, so they asked if anyone would do the eulogy, and actually no one stood up. No one and knew her well no enough. No one knew her well enough. She was new yeah. to camp. It was it was just very sad to mm-hmm. see. Like mm-hmm. Potter came in and announced her death, and and um, then Father Mulcahy said, "I'll take over." Does anyone mm. you know want to do it? And everyone just looked at each other, dumbfounded. Like, yeah, who know. knows her best? I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't know. Her. Do you? I don't. I mean, Hawkeye finally went into Father Mulcahy and said, "You know what? We spent a night together." You know, let me try to do this. I don't two want nights. two nights. Two nights. Two dates. Two dates. I'm not yeah. sure if it was. Uh, knowing Hawkeye, it was probably yeah. two nights. Two, okay. But they had two dates. Two dates. Um, which we so find out later. He said that he would uh, try to do it. So mm-hmm. he went around talking to people, trying to get to know Mil- Lieutenant Millie Carpenter better, mm-hmm. and just found out that no one knew her well. No and one. Actually, found some things out about her well later on he, he yeah he found out things like in the way i looked at it he found out things about her that made him reassess himself exactly which i don't know if we see him long enough to see if that sticks per se but but it does hit him for this episode yep yep 
Um, and I, I apologize. I'm going to try and keep us moving because I know you're... We're going to try and do a back-to-back -back recording, and then you want to get out before the Packer game. So, um... Go Pack. <laughs> I apologize to anyone who doesn't like the Packers. Uh, and for those, if there's anybody listening out there outside of the United States, Packers are a professional <laughs> football organization. And based on where we live, we basically have to be Packer fans. So... But we are anyway. Yes, we are. We yeah. aren't because we have to. We like them. But um, anyway... Anyway, yeah, Millie, her 201 file hasn't come in yet. They've been mm -hmm. doing prayer service. And, um, yeah, and, and um, I, you know, I found it telling right away when Hawkeye goes to Margaret, so Millie's direct superior, right, and says, what can you tell me about Millie? And Margaret starts by saying, she was a good nurse. Y yeah, but what else? Everyone said she was a good nurse, by well, the She way. was a good nurse. You said that already. I don't know anything else. But let's. why don't you go talk to the, the other nurses who she lived with? Mm -hmm. They will know more about her. Yeah, which one of the great things I love about the these last seasons, as I've mentioned before, is how much they bring the extra cast on as just kind of the, the permanent fixtures that their characters should be. So in the nurse's tent, who do we have? We have Bigelow, we have Kelly, uh, Joanne, and Shari. So... The, we have the regular cast. Yeah, you know, the, the four that you would expect to be in that particular nurse's tent. But they didn't know a whole lot about her. They did have a few complaints, which we find out later had reasoning behind. Like, yeah. she got this whole big thing of fudge from home and only gave one piece to each nurse, which they thought was a, maybe a little selfish, yeah. or they would have probably pulled it out and had a fudge party. Mm-hmm. You know, as we know, they like fudge. As we know, yeah, I love fudge. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, just things like that. That she was very closed off. She mm -hmm. didn't share a lot about herself because she worked night shift, though, too. She, she volunteered for all the night shifts. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you just don't. When you're on night shift, you're tired all the time. I don't know if any mm. of you have worked night shift. It's mm -hmm. uh, it really does a lot to your body. I've mm -hmm. worked night shift for three years in the mill. So I understand you literally walk around that day in a daze, like mm -hmm. even if you're not working because you're tired all the time. Well, <laughs> your body's not meant to work those hours. And I'm sure that for her, um, there weren't a lot of people around. I'm sure it was a skeleton right. shift. And then you try to sleep during the day and there's daily commotion going on and, and you just don't sleep right and everybody else is on opposite shift from you so so they're going in and out of cabins and they didn't have the chance to get to know her right. above and beyond that and yeah i'm sure that she was closed off and then she so, also um as we learn later she was shy she realized right. this about herself and so she didn't and how did we find that out from her diary, yes. which Hawkeye, you know, after Hawkeye was going around and talking to all these people. He was more depressed. He, yeah, he went to Father Mulcahy and said, I can't do this. I don't know her. Well, Hawkeye, I, I'll take this from you if you insist, but due to my position with Millie at this point, I read through her diary, and I think you should too. And what what did he read? We find out that Millie loved Hawkeye. Like, 
mm-hmm. was infatuated about Hawkeye. Yeah. I didn't say love, but she talked a lot in there about mm-hmm. him and wished that she could have approached him more in fact, because well, she's so shy. Yeah. Um, and we heard about the fudge. She didn't mm-hmm. just share it or you know hoard it for herself, mm-hmm. which. I'm sorry if my family sent me fudge from home. I would probably hoard it. Here you all get one piece. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hoard it. But she didn't. She brought it into the night shift where the men were suffering and shared it with the patients. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, nobody else saw. Right. She didn't do things to be seen, though. No, that's that's the best way to give. That's no, my favorite way to give. Mm-hmm. I have to say on earth it's the hardest way to give. Mm-hmm. But I really tried to do it. Yeah, I don't need to be rewarded for good works here. I really don't care. I do them because they're good works. They're not not because I'm going to get an award or that people are going to see me. I, it's hard. It's yeah. hard. Besides being an introvert, that's why I don't like ringing bells oh, for the Salvation okay. Army. It's like, I don't know. That's too forward-facing for me. I don't <laughs> like award ceremonies. I don't like that. I don't care to be recognized it's like i didn't do this to be recognized uh-huh. i did it because it's the right darn thing to do just like millie was doing in this case and um nobody knew nobody knew at all i wish we could have seen her i wanted to yeah. see her eyes but i'm glad we didn't because no. then i would feel really oh. sad yeah but, um and, and i'm sorry i just to to me like uh alan alda did just an amazing job of um bringing Millie Carpenter to life in his performance during his eulogy for her. Yes, oh my gosh. It was just, I felt like this fictional dead character was very important to me, and I suffered for her passing. But she she was fictional. And I just want to, before I get too far away from it, the last entry in her diary did you take down what it was oh, can you read it? yeah it's 3 a.m there's no use trying to sleep there's too much hawkeye running through my mind i'm going for a walk and Which that turned out to be her last walk yeah because she ended up wandering off of the road and stepped on a mine and died but yeah, with too much hawkeye on the mind yeah and that that's what caused hawkeye to undergo some self-reflection realizing hey you know most of the time i make it really obvious to women where it's like uh, don't get too serious with me or else i'm gone and i meant something to her and i never knew i didn't care to know and he said i don't tell people none of us Mm -hmm. how often do we tell people so i'm going to tell you now Mm -hmm. and then he listed off which yeah, which I think, you know, for, for the brevity of the show, he only listed off, like, the senior staff, but... Well, Colonel Potter, Father Mulcahy, Klinger, Charles, and BJ. Margaret. Did he do Margaret? Yes, he did. Okay. <laughs> it, it was the senior staff. It was all yeah, of the named characters. Yeah, and you know what? It made me... Love you, Chris. Love you. Likewise. You know, yeah. I, no. I love my family. Everybody ha, who's involved. Yes, we have. We're so blessed. Yeah. You know, I always say to Ryan, my gosh, she's yeah. so loved because, mm-hmm. as she'll tell you, everyone includes mm-hmm. Needy and pa- and Polecat and yeah. Grandma Mary and yeah. <laughs> you know, 
It's every time she lists her family. And she lists everyone. She yeah. never just lists like the ones Kiki she lives with. She li- yeah. Kiki Brooklyn. She just lists everyone Everybody. when yeah. you ask her who's all gonna be there. And she'll whether they are or not, yeah. in her mind everyone's mm-hmm. always there. But yeah, it's it, it's a great message and it's a very somber moment, unfortunately. But it's I, I think these two episodes do a really good job of juxtaposing a very serious plot with a very uh ridiculous plot and this was the the somber one. Oh yeah i forgot we have to talk about yeah, the other be, plot because but, um I, yeah I, I just yeah it, i just want to say this was a really good one and mm-hmm. i honestly for the life of me don't remember seeing this one before mm. No, and I recognized it immediately. I don't remember what the well, you what the menu immediately. But yeah, it was it was something <laughs> where it, it was ridiculous, and there's no way I should have re- realized what it was, but I did. But yeah, the the B plot. <laughs> I like the B plot. Uh, in short, Klinger is trying to get Winchester to be an investor in an enterprise, and the enterprise at first is the hula hoop. <laughs> um, he said a bunch of the Korean kids have been playing with them and they just love them and I made this out of tubing and they'll sell like hotcakes uh then uh Charles well Charles said no first then went to Colonel Potter's office Colonel Potter had gotten a schmoo which was apparently a creature (laughs) from from little Abner and um Charles saw that it was ridiculous but Potter spent money on it and then he couldn't nobody could get them in the states right um, so then he decided to invest in Klinger's little enterprise, and then so uh, Winchester was trying it out, and a Korean family came and started <laughs> laughing at him, and so then he got embarrassed and humiliated, and so then he went and tore up the check he had given to Klinger. Which, if you've ever tried a hula hoop, you can either do it or you can't. Yeah, it's, yeah, so he was not, and the Koreans were laughing at him for not being able to. But then, at the end, uh, Klinger's trying to get him to invest in another one, and it's... <laughs> The frisbee. Well, no, the kids were just playing with the frisbee. They yes. weren't trying to invest in it. No, Klinger was trying to get him to invest in the frisbee. That's he, why Klinger had the kids playing with it. Oh, he to said to show them to show did, him. How did I put the ending? Yeah. The last thing Klinger tries to get money from Winchester. The kids were playing outside, throwing a pie-like shape, like or a pie tin shaped like a frisbee. I thought it was to get him to invest in that. Because he Maybe was still trying to collect the money from the hula hoop. Okay. No. And I think, as yes. he's like, no, and he opens the door and runs out, and Klinger chases him, and here the kids were playing with, with a, a, a pie, pie tin, tin. <laughs> upside down. Yeah. It was so cute. Um, I would like to point out. I looked up the hula hoop. Okay. The hula hoop gained international like pop. When I was little, that's exactly my nice. same haircut. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's you! It's me. Um, the hula hoop gained international popularity in the late 1950s when a plastic version was successfully marketed by California's Whammo Toy Company. Wow. So, so this is actually uh, accurate. Accurate, somewhat. Uh, the frisbee. Um, let's see here. Discovered a market for the Fred Morrison discovered a market for the modern day flying disc in 19. 19- 38 when he and future wife Lucille were offered 25 cents for a cake pan that they were tossing back and forth on a beach near uh, LA that got the wheels turning because you could buy a cake pan for five cents and if people on the beach were willing to pay a quarter for it well there was a business so there you go by 1948 after design modifications and experimentation with several prototypes Morrison and business partner Warren 
Frazioni began producing the first plastic discs, renaming them the Flying Saucer in the wake of the UFO sightings. And then they reinvented them again. I think, when did disc golf come out? <laughs> yeah. For you all know, things. really, yeah. they, I think it's been reinvented again. So. Oh, definitely. When you have a whole bag of them, just like you do of golf clubs. Oh, yeah. Yes. And um, I know Ben had to run out and buy all the different yeah. colors and because mm-hmm. diff, disc golf became popular. So, yeah. you know, oh, this yeah. game, or discs, or frisbees have been invented, reinvented, mm-hmm. and invented, and reinvented. Oh, yeah. It's kind of cool. Yeah. So, yeah, Winchester lost out on two there. A couple of other things to look up. Uh, Millie was apparently the head nurse at the thoracic surgery unit at Letterman Hospital. Letterman Army Hospital was established in 1898. Uh, was a U.S. Army facility located on the Presidio of San Francisco. It was decommissioned in 1994. Uh, Letterman Army Medical Center. Let's see here. Uh, I didn't read this ahead of time. I should have, but it existed. It was there. Uh, So, yeah, it was a real army medical hospital, and I I figured it had to be because she, uh, Hawkeye said, she requested reassignment to the front. So she was chief nurse of thoracic surgery there, but then she wanted to go somewhere where she could do more good. Um, Good person, just a very shy person. Mm-hmm. I think we have a lot of really good people in this world that we don't acknowledge because mm-hmm. they're shy. Yeah. Um, uh, and then also, when Winchester is talking with Colonel Potter about the schmoo, uh, Potter mentions something about uh, the best thing since um, basically automatic transmission. Uh, he said something to the effect of cars without clutches. Well, you only need a clutch if you have manual transmission. So, therefore, he must have been talking about automatic transmissions. This was also uh, in continuity. This this was timed well because, apparently, um, the automatic transmission was invented in 1921 and patented under Canadian patent in 1923. So... Well, I think these later episodes, they found out they had to do more research. <laughs> like, at the beginning, they didn't do the research needed, but because we caught a lot of things. Oh, but yeah. towards the end, I think they They're had research better. teams. This is, mm-hmm. you know, this is a, a show that really made it and, is, yeah. and has 11 seasons. Mm-hmm. And by the 11th season, they knew they had to do the research and not just yeah. plop up a show. Yeah. So, yeah, I... You know, this is all good compared to that episode or that uh, issue of the Avengers oh, yeah. that Radar had in his desk from the future. From the 1970s. This is all, all good. real history. It, it works in the in the timeline. Um, what else do I have here? Hula hoop. Uh, that. We talked about that. I'm looking at IMDb to see if there's anything else for this episode. I thought it was funny that Klinger, the way he got... Um, Mm-hmm. Winchester there <laughs> brought cognac. If you Would this give you anywhere? five minutes of your time? Charles looked at the bottle. Three. <laughs> okay. Okay, mid-shelf cognac. Uh, anything else? No, I don't have anything else. Okay. So, guest stars recurring cast. We have Kelly Nakahara as Lieutenant Kelly Amato, Enid Kemp as Nurse Bigelow, 
Sherry Saba as Nurse Sherry and Joanne Thompson as Nurse Joanne with an uncredited appearance by whoever it was who voiced Millie Carpenter because we actually hear her read her diary, but we don't know who it was. Uh, here's to Millie, who was 27 at the time of her death in, I'm guessing, 1953. The production code was 1G18. Writers John Rappaport and Dennis Koenig. Director Burt Metcalf. Original air date of this episode was November 22nd, 1953. 82. All right. Uh, Before we go on to the next one, I'd like to have a toast for Millie and all the nurses who gave up their lives during any war. Indeed. To you. Thank you to all nurses. It's a it's an underappreciated and exactly. understaffed profession. All right. Uh, episode six, bombshells. Uh, bombshells from the name. Uh, from basically the World War II era of an attractive woman, uh, i.e. DC Bombshells, which reimagines uh, all the female superheroes of the DC, superheroes and supervillains of the DC universe in World War II. Look it up. I haven't, <laughs> but I hear good things. Um, so here we have an A plot and a B plot. The A plot to me is really this whole thing about rumors. And specifically the fact that uh, Hawkeye and Winchester improv a rumor that Marilyn Monroe is coming to the Four Devil Seventh to, to thank the camp for saving her cousin. Hilarity ensues. The B plot is that BJ had gotten a chopper pilot. Um, let's see if I can find him here. Grigori? Priori. Priori. Uh, see, they list him. He was a warrant him. officer. Yeah, they list him as lieutenant, and he was not. He was a warrant officer too. Yeah, it's that. It's that warrant officer. Yeah, he had he had the two black on his bar, so it would have been warrant officer too. Anyway, um, the chopper pilot to take him out fishing. On the way, they find uh, a couple of uh, a wounded GI being tended to by his buddy. They land, pick him up. Uh, put him on the stretcher. Then on their way back to MASH, they come across another wounded GI who needs pickup. They try to get him, and then they start coming under fire, and they have to leave him. Moreover, BJ had tossed a rope down to him, and they were starting to pick him up when they came under fire, so uh, Fiori demanded that BJ cut the rope so they wouldn't also die. And, um... BJ had to, and what ends up happening is BJ ends up getting a bronze star for bravery under fire, and he is not happy with this. In fact, he goes on a little rant at the end of the episode that we'll talk about, but he's awarded this at this ceremony where Marilyn Monroe is supposed to show up. So that's basically what happens. Um, Why in the world did this whole rumor thing start? Because... Um, Ted Williams. Ted Williams was going home. He was a Red Sox baseball player. Which then I loved the fact that Ben was watching this with us because he said, Ted Williams left Korea. I know what year this happened. 1953. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> my family know, well, not me, but my kids yeah. know their baseball so stats. The, so yeah, this firmly places this episode at the end of the Korean War, which is great considering it's the last season of the show. But so Ted Williams left Korea. There were rumors about why 
Uh, one rumor that Margaret apparently had told Father Mulcahy, because he said, I heard that, in fact, I think it was from, from you, you, was that the sector was no longer under, like, bombardment, and so they were just pulling out, and so they're like, ah, you can just go home. And, Re and Klinger heard that the Red Sox paid $50,000 to get him back. So it depended on which rumor you heard. Mm -hmm. And then Hawkeye said something to the effect of, well, yeah, well, I bet you didn't hear the other big one. What other big one? I wouldn't I know. Wouldn't. No, you, you didn't. Marilyn Monroe is coming. And then Charles Not just... Not even you were in on this one. Yes. They said what would happen if, they, if people found out we'd have reporters. And... Mm -hmm. and Charles just decides to go along with it, and it just snowballs because, like, Klinger calls Sparky to confirm it, and all that Sparky can get do is he can't deny it. And <laughs> Klinger's line was, can you confirm that you cannot deny it? <laughs> Thank you, Sparky. And then he tells Potter. So Sparky must have went through his channels, and it got to a general. And all of a sudden, the general is calling Potter, General Schwering, and um, he says to Colonel Potter, why did I have to hear about this through channels instead of through you, Sherm? And Potter says, well, to be honest, General, I wasn't sure about it until just now either. Ha, ha, ha. And so now they're preparing for Marilyn Monroe's visit, and Hawkeye ends up getting put in charge. Operation Bombshell. Of the bunting for Marilyn's visit and putting everything together. And he co-ops Charles because, as he puts it, if she doesn't show up, and General Schwering gave up three days in Tokyo to come here and meet her. I'm going to tell General Schwering about how you were in on it. <laughs> and what do they end up doing to take care of that little misstep? At the end, when they had the big parade come in, well, first one car came in, and it was... One of them was BJ. It was it was General Schwering first. General was, Schwering first, yes. And then it was BJ. Then, we'll get to why he was out. Then BJ. And then the third car... There were three cars. Yep, the third one was the delivery of a telegram from i -Corps. The A telegram. And the telegram said that Marilyn Monroe, because of rush... You have to know that um, Hawkeye tried calling Marilyn Monroe. Actually, said he was Ted Williams. So he used the first rumor to help with the second rumor, and he yeah. got right in. And they even asked him like some Ted Williams questions. Which now, okay, I'm gonna interrupt you at this point just because, um, I in the episode or in the I can talk. Hold on. <laughs> okay, in the notes on IMDb. See, I just needed a moment. Um, when Hawkeye calls 20th Century Fox Studios to talk to Marilyn Monroe, he pretends to be Ted Williams of the Boston Red Sox. During his charade, he tells Miss Panama, who he ends up talking to in, yeah, you know, I'm assuming like Monroe's assistant or something, uh, on the phone that he loved playing for the fans in left field. After which, she supposedly hangs up on him because he had made an error about the position that Ted Williams had played. However, in fact, according to this, Ted Williams was a left fielder. Oh. So Hawkeye was right. So they got something wrong. Uh, further, during that, he has Charles next to him. Charles is from Boston. Uh, he gets the location of Roxbury in relation to Boston wrong, which is one of the reasons why she hangs up on him. In Hawkeye, he mentions that he had a practice in Boston when he was mustered into the army, so he would have known where Roxbury was. He wouldn't have gotten that one wrong. So, um, 
he he should have gotten through to her. But it wouldn't have fit the plot, so he had right. to fail. Because then that's when he he sent a message. Yeah, what did he do? Them. He got Sparky to reconnect him with the operator in Hollywood, who I'm assuming he then had connect him to the telegraph office in Hollywood, where he pretended to be Marilyn Monroe from her office and sent a message to i which they then took and drove up to the 477th with all expediency. And what what did it essentially say? That, and you have to keep in mind when he was trying to talk to Marilyn Monroe on the floor, on the phone, they said she was in rushes, mm-hmm. which meant um, some sort of filming. Yeah. So on the um, telegram that he sent, he said, due to rushes and other... Commitments. Commitments, yeah. movie things. <laughs> um, I don't know Marilyn Monroe cannot make this, and she sends her mm-hmm. deepest apologies and um, thank kiss, you for kiss, kiss, hug, hug, and thank you for curing my cousin Eddie. Whitey. Whitey, yeah. <laughs> Whitey. <laughs> Whitey. Mm. And so, it came out. So. Yeah, but they they got away clean on that one. On the flip side, after BJ gets back. To the four double seventh, he keeps. Where did he go? He keeps trying to track down this kid that they end up leaving. Yeah. He talks to the wounded soldier that they brought in. Uh, talks to him both pre and post op, and um, after he talks to the kid and finds out he doesn't know this guy, the pilot comes in and says, "You know, you were willing to go down that rope to help that kid. I'm putting you in for a for a medal." And a he ended combat up, medal, actually. Combat medal, and he and he did. And uh, BJ asked Potter to kill it, but apparently Potter didn't get on that in time because then General Schwering brought it. But while that's happening, BJ is frantically trying to track down this kid. He uh, asks Potter for actual time off since he didn't get any. He goes to the 8063rd and is asking after this kid. And He's looking for a dark-haired kid. Dark-haired white kid. Yep. And he just can't find him. From that area, and um, so he as just as wanted to make sure that someone picked him yeah, up. That he he's didn't. not still just laying there in the yeah, taken prisoner of war or KIA or whatever. And he doesn't get that satisfaction, unfortunately. And after he gets the bronze star, which now the, the post commercial scene, he hands it off, which I don't quite agree with. I get why he well, he, there was as a, as a character, I get why he would have done it, but I don't agree with it. But anyway, um. Before I know what you're going to say, I'll let you just, if I may. Um, He goes on this tirade after they break, after the telegram from Marilyn Monroe is read. They're in the swamp, Hawkeye and him. And he goes on this little tirade about, you know, we scoff at authority. And we pretend that we're above it all and we're separate from it and all of this. And the minute that I cut that rope and left that kid there, I became a soldier. Good luck to you, Hawk, on not becoming one. Something like that. And it just, he was bitter. And he felt like he had been forced into war against his will. And, you know, it's something about BJ. I mean, it's obviously the actor, but it's something about BJ that whenever he feels like he failed, he takes it very hard and very personally, and that's what came out here. And it's, I get it. I think it's realistic for him, but it was unfortunate. 
because he really did feel like he had become part of the war at that point, having made the decision to save three lives rather than one. You know, and, um, but yeah, uh, at, at the end, what does he do to assuage his Well, first we need conscience? to know that Hawkeye and Margaret at the beginning had this child that, or young soldier <laughs> that was not going to make it. Yeah. I mean, he was, Margaret was talking death and actually, um, Yeah, she said he won't make it to yes, Wednesday and, and, Hawkeye, and Hawkeye. said, you have to think positive. Does that sound like positive talk? It's not going to help, but you need to think positively. Right. And, well, what happened is this kid pulled through. and Because? Um, because he heard Marilyn Monroe was coming, and he wasn't giving up that opportunity. So Marilyn Monroe saved a life, and she didn't even know it. Yeah. She wasn't even supposed to come. And? Um, and that's who BJ ends up giving the bronze star to, the bronze medal, because mm. this kid actually fought and almost lost his life. And you don't agree with that? Why not? Because, A... It's a meaningless medal. It, it's not official. But it means something. Like it means something to be excited and that mean, he yeah. can show it to his parents. But there, there's no paperwork behind it. There's no reason behind it. We don't know if this kid stepped on a mine, caught yeah, a piece of shrapnel, you know, if a stove blew up. We don't know. We don't right. know what... I mean, it's clearly implied that he got hit on the line, but... A lot of kids who go through there got hit on the line. That's what you get a Purple Heart or for. Or some get beat up by Marines. Yeah. You know? <laughs> That's what, no, you know? but, but getting wounded in a combat zone is what gets you a Purple Heart, not a Bronze Star. Right. I also don't know that I quite agree with BJ getting a Bronze Star oh, for okay. valor in action. When he cut the rope. You know, not just because he didn't want it. I just don't know if that was the sort of act that is really deserving of a bronze star exactly but you know that's just my issue is like i don't i i get why he did it he did it to assuage his guilt over over this but giving your medal away does not negate what you did nor does it negate the fact that you were awarded this medal but he would never be able to look at that medal throughout Toss his it. whole life and think i deserve this no but <laughs> ju just in my mind, it's like, toss it in the trash. Throw it over the side of the boat. Something like that. I just I just disagree with how he uh, uh, got rid of it, okay. is all. Okay. Makes sense. You know? The, the same way that they, like, have in the past pinned a purple heart onto a baby. Yeah. It's like, it's meaningless. I, I get the, sim the symbolic m meaning there, but... <laughs> it's going to be, you know, when that person dies, one of the relatives is going to find this medal and be like, why is this? And that's the end of the story because they can't find paperwork. That's all. Anyway, um, let's see here. Uh, one factual error out of this. Uh, modern helicopters. So BJ and the pilot were talking while they were up in the air. They wouldn't have been able to do that. Okay. They, they needed headsets. They didn't have headsets on. Okay. So, it, it was a goof, but it's one that has been repeated before, you know. Um, well, that's a stupid fun fact. Marilyn Monroe didn't get to Korea until February 1954. Yeah, I know she didn't. She <laughs> didn't go there now either. <laughs> Not a fun fact. Um, 
All right, I think that's all I have. Is there anything you have? Nope, nope, that's it. So, okay. Cast two. Yeah, so we have guest stars recurring cast. It's actually a pretty long list. Not we have Marilyn Monroe. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Gerald S. O'Loughlin as General Franklin Schwerin. Alan Williams as Lieutenant Prior. That's warrant officer. Michael Bond as Captain Hobart. Stuart Charno as Corporal Sonneborn. I think they're coming up with these names just to test if I can say them right. <laughs> Michael Carmine as Patient. Robert Townsend as Patient. Ken Neumeyer as a different patient. Not that the two were the same patient. Um, Paul Turpe as the i courier who delivered the fake telegram. And not appearing in this episode, Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> uh, the production code was 9B02. So for those of you filling out your MASH bingo card, that was 9B02. Writer, Dan Wilcox and Thad yes. Mumford. <laughs> Director was Burt Metcalf. Original air date was November 29th, 1982. All right. Uh, we're going to record another episode directly after this, but that's it for this week. Um, thank you for tuning in. If this is your first episode or if you're a returning listener, thank you so much. If you feel like this was worth your time and you want to help support this show, the best way for you to do that is to share it with a friend or family member or a co-worker. To do that, you can point them over to our website, narclaninc.com slash whiskeymash, or just the homepage, narclaninc.com. That's N-A-R-C-L-A-N-I-N-C.com. Go to the podcast link. Go to the Whiskey and Mash page. There on the page, we have MP3s of all of our back episodes. Also at the top of the page are two links, an email link, which I don't think I've seen anybody use yet. It's there. It works as far as I know. Try it. Also, there is a Facebook link that will take you over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash whiskey and mash. Over there, like our page, follow our page. That way you know when new episodes come out. I always post the synopsis over there. That way if you don't do the podcast thing, you can always go back because I link the new episode from our website over there on facebook.com. You can stream the episode off of our website or download to your favorite mp3 player otherwise when you see that new episode come out you can look on your podcast listening device and look for the newest episode having been downloaded so long as you have subscribed to the whiskey and mash podcast feed out there in your favorite podcast application such as apple podcast itunes stitcher or uh whatever you use for android there are lots of them out there also, please, if you go over to Facebook.com slash Whiskey and Mash and you like our page and you follow us, like our episodes when they come out. Leave us a comment on the episode. Let us know what we got wrong, what we got right, if you agree with what we said. And, you know, maybe tag somebody in your comments so that they can come to our page, too, and listen to our podcast. Because we're not just going to stop once we're done with Mash. We have After Mash to do. Then we're going to do a Top 10 Mash. And then we'll... See you from there? Yeah. So... But and Hawkeye, don't forget to call us. Alan Alda, um, anybody, Jamie <laughs> Farr, any, anybody out there. Kelly Nakahara would yeah. love to hear you. We would love to have anybody on. We can Skype you in. Please. I would, I would, I would die Anyone from excitement. Anyone that worked on the set. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I am Chris Pullman. And I am Gloria Ackerman. And until next time, have a good week. Outro.